We have come to the seventh letter, to the seven churches. In this case, it's the church at Laodicea. But let's remember what we've already seen. We see first and foremost that in verse 3 of chapter 1, we have a blessing promised to us if we will respond to this book. So I hope you're able to continue to join us for this overview and that you can count on the blessing, a blessing from the Lord, as you hear what is said and as you respond to it. And then what we see is Jesus Christ in all of his glory. We need to recognize who he is. He is the God-man. And we see that he is not only the Lamb of God who offers to take away the sins of the world, but he is also the Lion of Judah, the all-powerful God, who is going to reign on the earth for a thousand years. And when we look at chapter 1, we need to be reminded that we will stand before him, we believers, we will not have to give an account for our sins. They're covered by his blood on the cross, but we will give an account for our lives. We all love that song. I can only imagine what it's going to be like when we get in heaven. We will fall down before him because we're going to be overwhelmed by the reality of who he is in his presence. And we can see that in chapter 1. Then in chapter 1, we're also given the outline of the book. Jesus said, John, write the things which you have seen, then the things which are, chapters 2 and 3, and then it's the things yet to come, and those things are yet future. Let's keep in mind what we have seen in terms of these letters. We see that Jesus Christ is intimately involved with each of these churches. He says, I know your works, I know your deeds, I know your endurance, I know your perseverance. And then, in a number of these churches, of course, he offers a, a rebuke. He challenges them. These are all believers. Believers, some of whom are still living for him, walking with him, and others who are well wandering, who have lost their first love. We need to look at ourselves when we we hear what Jesus is saying to these various churches. We've got to ask ourselves these questions. Have I lost my first love? Am I persevering? And now we've come to the church at Laodicea. Now, one of the things I want to encourage you to do is take some time and think about what life was like back then and what life is like today. When we look at these churches, keep in mind how they lived. If someone had a home, that home was just a few hundred square feet at most. It obviously didn't have a plumbing. It didn't have electricity. It didn't have all the comforts that we take for granted. They lived a very different life than we live today. We have so much. It is absolutely amazing. When I say we, I mean all of us, even those of us that might not be on the top echelon economically. We have an incredible life in terms of comfort and convenience. And, and now we come to a church that was considered a wealthy church in that day. And it is nothing compared to so many churches today. Think about the implications for our day. So we're in Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to begin with verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, 
the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, the city of Laodicea was an extremely wealthy city. It would remind us today of cities like, well, the DFW area, and especially the city of Dallas. In the case of Laodicea, they literally had a thriving banking industry. They were involved in producing clothes, textiles, uh, primarily wool, and then they were also known for medicine, especially an ISAV. So this was a thriving city in that day. Now, one of the problems they had, though, was their water supply. The only way they could actually get water into the city was to take it out of a hot spring that by the time it reached the city, it was at best, uh, let's just say, lukewarm. And Jesus is going to pick up on that. What we see here is Jesus is referred to as the one who is giving the words of the amen. When we say amen, we mean it is true. And Jesus Christ is the one who is the ultimate truth. He is, it says, faithful and true witness. When it says he's the beginning of God's creation, it's really talking about him being essentially the architect of creation. Jesus clearly is the creator. Look at Colossians chapter 1. In addition, this term could also be referring to one who is in authority the magistrate, the one in charge. And so Jesus Christ here is being looked at as the creator and the ruler. Now notice what the Savior says. I know your works. Once again, we see that Jesus is involved intimately with this body of believers in terms of what he knows is going on. I know your works. And he's not talking about their career uh, potential he is talking about what they are doing to represent him to the unbelieving world and to build one another up as the body of believers. He says, I know your works. But then he says this, you are neither cold nor hot. Now he's picking up on the water supply that would come into Laodicea. And by the time it arrived, it was at best lukewarm. And so he's drawing a parallel here. He then said, would that you were either cold or hot. Other cities, by the way, had water that would be cold coming from the snow-covered peaks around a given city, 
or some that was coming closer in from a hot spring, and it would literally be hot when it arrived at that city. But in the case of Laodicea, it was lukewarm. And Jesus draws a parallel to their spiritual lives in this lukewarm aqueduct that brought water to this city. And then Jesus said this. Now think, this is the Savior in glory. He said, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now what's he saying there? He's not talking about condemning them for eternity. What he is saying is that he is going to bring discipline for the sake of bringing them to a point of true commitment so that they decide one way or the other, yes, you're going to live for him or you're not going to live for him. But don't just stay in the middle. Because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I find myself wondering if that's what Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, what he is doing right now, when it comes to the body of Christ at large in the United States of America. He's had enough. He's had enough with us being, at best, lukewarm. And that's why we are facing so many challenges today. Then the Lord goes on and he says, For you say, now he even knows what they're saying, right? I know what you're telling one another. You're saying to one another, Hey, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Notice the independence. You notice the arrogance. You notice the self-centeredness, the narcissism. For you say, I am rich. And it's talking about worldly riches, right? I have prospered. Worldly prosperity. I need nothing. I've got all that I need. And then Jesus says this. Now here's the reality. Here's what you're saying. Here's what you're thinking. Here's how you're living. Then Jesus says, not realizing... You don't get it. You're you're deceived, Jesus is saying. You are wretched, pitiful, poor. You're blind. You're naked. Think about that. The Savior. This is he's talking to believers. These are those he died for. These who are going to inherit eternal life. And he is saying to them, you're really wretched. You, You just don't get it. And the things that really matter, you are poor. And you're blind. You just can't see. And you think you're wealthy and you, they'd walk around thinking, look at me. He said, you know what? Really spiritually, you're you're naked. You're unclothed and you don't even get it. And then the Lord says this. I counsel you. To buy from me gold refined by fire. What is he saying? What he's saying here is that you begin to live passionately for him and you'll pay a price, but you will produce true gold, eternal gold, spiritual impact, refined by the fires of adversity that will come with it. And then it says that you may be rich. You really are rich. But you're rich in the things that are eternal, the things that count, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Notice what he's doing. He's picking up on the primary industries that dominate this particular city, this wealthy city. And so he's saying, hey, you know, in terms of the medical community, you've got this incredible salve for the eyes. 
Well, I'll give you salve that'll allow you to really see reality, spiritual reality. And then Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Oftentimes we use this to talk about how someone can come to know the Lord, that the Lord's waiting for the person to open up the door and accept him as Savior. Really, what we find, though, is that this passage is, is directed to believers. It's talking about fellowship with him. It's talking about hearing his voice, opening the door, and having intimate fellowship with him. I will come in with him and eat with him and he with me, like sitting down to have a meal with the Savior. Incredible to think about it. So he's knocking at the door for us. Are we answering? Do we hear his voice? Are we going to open up the door? I hope as a result of our time today, all of us will reflect on the truths found in this letter to the church at Laodicea. And if we do anything, we need to repent and we need to open up the door.